Hey everybody, welcome to Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. I'm Greg. Jason is already in Austin, Texas, as we have got a ton of stuff to do in this podcast. But let's catch up because, JP, it is roasting out there in Austin, <laughs> Texas. And you were on the racetrack it, last weekend, so how are things I going? Was. Um, great, great. Absolutely. Uh, it's hot. These guys better be ready and ladies better be ready because um, it's definitely going to be steamy here in Texas. I think you said just before we came on 107 on Friday, I think it's going to be. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is where this is why you train. It's why you hydrate and all that stuff. So, um, you know, it is what it is. And it was hot when we rode here on the weekend. We were here with uh, we were here with Ride Smart. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done any of their days, but they did a really good job. They had four groups. We got a lot of riding in. Um, and, you know, Greg, I've been, you know, Coda's never been one of my favorite places, but I definitely got a lot more of an understanding of the place, I think, over these two days that I got to ride here. And I, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. So, yeah, it was it was all right. It was, it was all right. And um, I'm excited for the races this weekend. How did the tires hold up? Yeah, good. Um, I think I ran mostly on R7 rear for the week. Mm. And R5 front, R7 rear is, I think, what I was riding for the weekend. Um, and they were fine. Uh, I can't say that I had any problem with them. So, And it was, like I said, it was pretty warm. Um, the track, it's it's weird, you know, when you drive into the place. The little road, you know the little road that you, you know, you come on the main road, then you turn left onto, like, the premises Mm-hmm. That road's just ripply and bumpy and wavy. And that's kind of like what the track used to be like. It's definitely better, but it's still got some big, like, wavy bumps in it and things like that that I could definitely understand if you were on a MotoGP bike and the stiffness those bikes are, how those would be probably pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. But um, but overall, I found places on the track that I actually really enjoyed. And, um, and uh, it was two really good days. Well, hopefully the heat forecast it doesn't deter anybody i know that now you know it just kind of keeps changing in terms of it's getting warmer but also there's the possibility of thunderstorms popping up so hopefully oh really we yeah hopefully we'll have a good crowd this weekend to as moto america goes to their first circuit of the americas by themselves not as a guest of moto gp which i know everybody's looking forward to so we're not treated like second class citizens as we are when we go to a moto gp race do you remember uh, where they made us park that one time up on the hill in the dirt and it was mm-hmm. mud, it was like the mud and it was like a 3 quarter of a mile walk in yeah and it yeah. was and it was muddy and you couldn't and i was like this is crazy like so yeah i'm i'm excited for moto america to have you know a standalone event here and um yeah hopefully we have a great weekend, and I know that the heat's going to probably keep some people away because of how hot it actually is. So, um, and you know, definitely can understand that. But, but hopefully, we can have a good event here. So, on this podcast, we're going to be talking some news, and we're going to preview a little bit of Circuit of the Americas from Moto America, and then we had a MotoGP race at Catalonia over the weekend, and they're racing again this weekend at Misano. We're going to talk a little fantasy and then World Superbike Preview MagnaCore. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a full podcast here. So let's get after it with our news presented by Arai. Helmets made by the dedicated hands of those who work at Arai have shown examples of supreme protection for decades. 
the numerous improvements by their experienced hands, and personal desire to further the protection of riders' heads are among the many unique reasons Arai helmets perform the way they do. From our very first helmet to those we make today, rider protection remains our first priority, and we at Arai shall never forget the value of what we have been seeking to protect is priceless. So go visit AraiAmericas.com and go check out all the latest stuff from Arai. Bam, bam, bam. All right. All right. So let's get right into it, um, Jason. I think we mentioned last week that Cameron Bobby is out the rest of the season. Well, that left his Titler Cycles BMW vacant, of course, and the rider to replace him is Stefano Mesa. Your thoughts on the Supersport winner jumping on a Superbike? Very cool. I mean, I thought we talked about this last week, but maybe we didn't. But it's, yeah, we've seen, we've seen Stefano come through the ranks and, you know, his story is pretty well told now as far as how much club racing he's done, how family oriented that program has been. And yeah, now we did talk about this last week, didn't we? Yeah. The fact yeah. he's been on a Z, yeah, he's been on a, a stock thousand bike plenty of times, done well yeah. on it and all that Don't, kind of stuff. Electric, electric bikes, twins cup bikes, <laughs> stock thousand bikes, super yeah. sport bikes. Um, he rides Pirelli's in the club. He rides Dunlops in Moto America. He's and, so versatile, this kid. So versatile. And, He's going to be jumping on arguably the you know one of the top two bikes in the paddock, um, and and with a crew that's proven that they can take a rider to race wins. So there's no reason for me to think that he's not going to be up there battling in that top five spots. Uh, it's just a matter of getting used to the speed of this bike, getting used to uh, some of the stuff that a super bike can do that a stock thousand can't. Um, so yeah, I, and and I think for him. It's being able to park the super sport bike and focus on super bike. That'll be the other big key for him. If he still was in that, you know, I don't know if he would have got the offer if he was still in the hunt for the championship in super sport. Probably not. Yeah, but probably not. Probably not. But, you know, to run a super sport bike and a super bike in the same weekend would, would be tough. So, well, especially if it's going to be 105 <clears throat> degrees or yeah. 103 or whatever. Exactly right. So, you know, that said, it's um, one of those things where I think he can just come there. He can focus. He doesn't have to really do much. He's going to be thinking, you know, his team's going to take care of a lot of the stuff for him. And then he can just, uh, he can enjoy himself. You know, there have been people asking me, like, what bikes he going to ride? And so, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure he's going to ride Cameron's bike, Bobier's bike. And people have also asked me, well, if that's the case, why doesn't, like, Corey Alexander get the bike? Or why doesn't PJ get the bike? There's a little thing to remember, and that is we had a big rule change in the off season where we allow world super sport type of or world superbike type transmissions, but the rider had to choose their transmission before the season started. And I think, I think from the information I've gathered that, you know, PJ and Corey chose a standard transmission and uh, Bobier's bike is the world super bike type transmission where you have the basically one through six with the neutral being at the bottom of the gearbox mm -hmm. instead of between one and two. Mm -hmm. And being that those guys are full season entrance, they can't jump on a bike that has a different transmission configuration because they get protested. So I think that that's, that's part of, of what's going on. And that's why also that bike was vacant. And the fact that Mesa hasn't raised Superbike allows him to, you know, jump on that bike and, and choose the transmission that he wants to. So there might be some of that with the rules in there that people are forgetting about. 
but I'm pretty pumped. But that also left Mesa's super sport bike open. And apparently from what we've now found out that that ride was offered to Kayla Yakov, who turned 16 a couple of months ago. Okay. So she's eligible for super sport. And of course it's on a Kawasaki. She's on the Wagbar MP13 racing team and an R7 and all that kind of stuff. So from the two press releases that came out, you have to deduce that it looks like the opportunity was there for her to go. And she got released from her contract from the R7 and she's going to focus on, uh, on doing that the last two races. So that'll be the replacement for, for Mesa. What do you think about Kayla riding that thing? Uh, I mean, look, it's an opportunity. Um, it's a race winning bike. So we've seen, we've seen, uh, Mesa win on it. Um, I don't think she's, I, I don't, has she ever ridden Coda? I don't, I couldn't think of a time where she did unless she did a track day. So there's going to be a lot of things to get used to because I know she's primarily ridden Yamaha's, you know, and R sixes and things like that when she mm-hmm. does ride a 600. So, or a super sport bike. So Kawasaki's definitely going to be a little bit of a different beast. The disadvantage if she hasn't been here again is the length of the circuit because, you know, the laps take so they're so long that your sessions are so short. Yeah, so that's a good point. There'll be a lot of things that she'll have to get up to speed on quickly. And um, you know, I'm sure Mace is gonna be there to help her with any questions that she might have about the motorcycle. But um it's an interesting move. It's an interesting time to make the move, I guess you could say. Um to jump off of Melody's bike and jump on a super sport bike that she's never ridden before, um, the brand and all that. And, 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 you know, I know she's kind of been in, in tight with Yamaha, I thought. So for her to jump on a Kawasaki's it, it all, it's, it, it, it surprised me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It surprised me a little bit. Mm. Yeah. So, well, we'll see how it goes. Good thing. We commentate that, you know, this race. And so we'll be able to keep an eye on, on her yeah, progress. For sure. Um, keeping with Moto America, J.D. Beach will finish the season as a replacement rider for Cameron Bobier on the freshly and progressive Yamaha team. His flat track season is over. They had their last one. And by the way, tip of the cap to Jared Meese. Congratulations. His ninth, I believe, championship Crazy. Uh, in American flat track for, for Meese. He wrapped that thing up, which ties Scotty Parker. Yep. So, uh, so J.D.'s season's over, and instead of them – Having Hayes get on the bike, they put JD on the bike. So what are your thoughts about all that? Well, here for sure, it's probably not a bad thing. Because if heat. Yeah. Cause like I don't know what Josh's deal is with Squid Hunter exactly. Like we know he can't win the championship now. Mm-hmm. Um he's mathematically eliminated. I think only Ty Scott is got a shot at that still. Um so I mean, if I was Josh probably wouldn't have wanted to run two classes here anyways, but it kind of makes you start to wonder about JD wanted to position himself to get back into the Moto America paddock, which would be a welcome for all of us. So I know there's some things going on on the back end, not necessarily with the attack team, um, but I've heard some rumblings out there about JD wanting to get back in and some possibilities. So for him to get some seat time and be able to ride, you know, uh, a very, very, very good, you know, bike put underneath him from attack. It's great for us. It's great for our series. I love it. So um, I'm happy to see JD back in. What did he end up third in the championship in, in dirt track? Yeah, I think it was Dallas, then Dallas Daniels in second. Second. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, he he can put that stuff behind him now and focus on the weekends ahead that he's got two more. More movement. This has been an incredible week of like people leaving teams and finding yeah. teams and stuff. Because they're, it's not in the news, but by the way, in the Canadian Superbike Series, Jordan Zoke, it was teamed with somebody else, and an email came out yesterday saying that those two are splitting up for the last race of the year on their yeah. factory Cowies, and it's it's just like, okay. Uh, more movement on the S, as SDK leaves American Racing and Moto2 for the rest of the season. He did test the new Pirellis. If, if you're not familiar with it, uh, next season, Moto2 and Moto3 are transitioning from Dunlops to Pirelli tires. So they just had a test. No official lap times were released in that test, but everybody said it was a huge success putting the very soft Pirelli tires on a very stiff Moto2 chassis. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there considering how stiff the Dunlops have been. But anyway, so it, it also was reported that there's a possibility that SDK, who tested for the forward racing Moto2 team, will continue for the rest of the season. Um, what about your thoughts on SDK? who I thought was going to come back possibly to Moto America. looks like he's going to be staying in Moto2, at least for this season. Mm. Well, the forward team has two riders that are out at the moment, so there's plenty of opportunities there. So if he can stay on and ride over there and, and you know get on another bike and see how he is compared to what he was on with the American racing team. So I think you know for SDK, that's probably where he wants to be. He doesn't want to... You know, probably doesn't want to jump back here that quickly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who knows why. It, it's, it sounded really weird. I don't know if you heard in the Moto2 uh, race over the weekend, but they they interviewed. And I, to be fair, I didn't catch who they were interviewing, but it was somebody from American Racing. And there was a disagreement with, which seems a little weird to me, but there was a disagreement of – SDK was ready to come back and ride and they didn't think he was. And so that was the disagreement. So I go, yeah. So I don't know the full story on that. Um, but you know, he had arm pump surgery and he had a couple complications, but after Silverstone, he was ready to go. And the team said that he wasn't ready to go. So, but he went out yesterday and rode, what did he say in his press release? I saw, I think he rode like 40 or 60 or 80 laps or something yesterday and felt great. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Who knows? And speaking yep. of that, American Racing, Joe Roberts is going to stay in Moto2, and he actually goes back to the American Racing team, which honestly, Jason, from everything I heard when those when that team and Joe Roberts broke up is amazing. I mean, you want to talk about let bygones be bygones. Mm. So who knows? But what do you think about Joe going back to American Racing's Moto2 effort from the Italtrans team? Again, it's it's I I I'm the same way as you are. Like I go, it seemed like it didn't end that well. And Joe's been on the Taltrans team, I think, for three years. Two years. Is it two? And and it's like, oh, maybe it is. Is it the third year? I don't know. I thought it was he three. came in. He did he come in and replace Bobier? Did he not? I can't remember now. Mm. Who came in and replaced Bobier? Bobier came, no, Bo came in and replaced Joe. Sorry. Mm. That, was that the case? Anyway, I know Anyways. it's been at least two years. Yeah. And that team won a world championship with Bastianini. Mm -hmm. um, he, and, and when I talked to Joe at Silverstone, he had some options, which was good. And he did mention this one as an option. And obviously it was good enough for him to go. So that's where he's headed back to. But again, kind of a weird situation. Yeah. 
Um, more moves, more contract stuff. Johnny Ray will leave Kawasaki at the end of the season. He had one more year left on his contract, but he gets out of that and replaces top rack at Yamaha. Your thoughts about that breaking news? I mean, a lot of us knew it was coming, right? Like it yeah. wasn't, wasn't a really well-kept secret, but no. I mean, when it's official, it's official. So what do you think? Uh, well, I, I could see the frustration, um, because the Kawasaki is just not competitive. It just isn't, no matter what they do. And they just went to, they went and did a test at Aragon um, last week. And I think that was kind of a test to, to kind of say, hey, we've got some new stuff. And I think that when the guys got on the bikes, they realized that, yeah, it wasn't new enough that's, that's going to change the results, let's say. Mm. And with the addition of more Ducatis, kind of added to the grid next year it sounds like you got sam lowe's on a factory spec bike you got ian oni coming back Mm -hmm. um and already you've got petrucci and bassani that you have to deal with and then you got two factory ducatis i think that the writing was on the wall that johnny just felt uh, that it's not just the two guys that are beating him like the batista not it's not just batista in top rack johnny's having to fend off Petrucci and Bassani and all these other people right now. And now there'll be two more added next year. So you go, I think he feels like he has a better shot on the Yamaha because top rack is still able to stay away from all the rest of the, the riffraff, I guess you could say, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, um, so he probably felt like this is an opportunity. And for Yamaha, I think it's a great signing because they were a little bit in limbo and they've gone from, like basically no MotoGP riders really wanting to make the jump at this point to, well, do we bring a Gerda up? How, you know, what do we do? There's, there's no, and then now they got a six time world champion who, who's still arguably at the top of his game, right? Like he he's is, not, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's not, not falling he's, off the backside yet. No, no, no. He's working just as hard as he's going to work. And now it probably will give him a little extra motivation. He's got a two year deal with Yamaha and, um, and, and, you know, so I think, I think for all parties, it's a good thing. Um, the big losers right now are definitely going to be Kawasaki in this deal. Um, moving Lowe's forward. Might, Lowe's might go make out of this, though, because if, if Lowe's becomes the A rider, then they can develop the bike in the way he wants it. Maybe. I don't think there's much to develop, though. And mm. so to your point, I would agree with you, but it's the same bike. There's nothing to develop. It's gotcha. they've gotten out of that package. Anything that they do now is small tweaks, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, again, you know, we, we've, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you, you talk about the Honda and the Yamaha and MotoGP. They need a full revamp. It needs to be a fully revamp at this point. Like there's going to be things that those bikes do that are good, but they they need a full revamp. And that's where Kawasaki is right now. I think in world Superbike. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Speaking of silly season stuff, Okay, World Supersport Racer Nicol- Nicolo Bulaga moves up to the Aruba.it factory Ducati Superbike team in World Superbike for Michael Rubin Rinaldi. What are your thoughts about that move? I think it's a sidestep. I don't think it's a it's an upgrade. Um, I don't. I don't. And and you know we might look back in a year from now and what I'm about to say might prove me completely wrong, but I don't think Bulaga is proven much to anyone um 
as far as his ability. I, he's still he's he's won a lot of races on arguably the best bike, but he still gets ran down by Monzi on an R six and and it's going to be interesting when he he's racing against guys right now that aren't like the names, and I think that there's something in my stomach that just tells me that you know I don't think that he's going to do any better than Ronaldo's done. Um, it seems like they they hire guys for that second seat to not disrupt their A rider. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you go out and you get a, um, you know, another rider that could upset the apple cart within the team with Batista, um, who seems like he's easy enough to get along with. It's not a knock on Alvaro at all. It's just that I think Ducati keeps it that way on purpose, keep him comfortable. One of the narratives that Steve English always uses to me is that Rinaldi's been a really perfect teammate for them because he's he's he is a backup to Batista. But where's that gotten Rinaldi? You know, like yeah. now he's sitting there with no ride. And um but I think he even lacked that little bit. There were cert- circuits that Rinaldi would go to where he could run up front. But then again you have those other circuits where you see him back there running ninth and he's like the fourth or fifth Ducati out there, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that you'll see a lot of that with Bulaga next year too. And he'll get a hall pass the first year because everybody will be like, oh, he needs a year to get used to the bike and this and that. But he's going to go testing a ton. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting move. Yeah, already talks of Michael Ruben Rinaldi possibly landing here in Moto America on some type of a Ducati. Yep. But, you know, I... I can't see it on the current Ducati team because they have Josh Heron who's done a great job for them. And then you have yeah. Javi Flores in the wings. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that whole thing unfolds. But I, I know that, that, that Rinaldi is, is he's liked at Ducati. And that's yeah. the thing, as you see Ian going back after his four year doping suspension ends, he's coming back. You see the dedication that Ducati had, you know, has to Petrucci and stuff like that. So if Rinaldi falls in that same fold, we could see him, you know, maybe world endurance and, and, you know, a bunch of other roles, uh, you know, we'll have to see about that. Danny Pedroza extends his contract as a test rider for KTM's MotoGP program. Your thoughts? Think Pedroza's all washed up. We should pack him up and, <laughs> and wrap him up. Or do you think that Danny Pedroza has done some good things with the KTM MotoGP program? Well, first off, nobody <laughs> gives a shit what you and I think about what Danny Pedrosa does because KTM is really happy with him as they should be. I mean, they should be. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that he, dusted off the old boots to Sharon Jerez and came back and ran inside the top 10 in MotoGP races. If you remember, he was on the tail end of that lead group for most of that race. Uh, super impressive. Never heard a bad word about Danny Pedrosa. Literally never heard a bad one. For a guy that I wanted to kill in 2006 um, from my office in my room when he took out Nikki, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've just never heard anything bad about him. And it seems like he's done well. Did you see that video? I'm sure you have where they line him up against an F1 car and a rally car. And there's like, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he, I mean, he just, you know, obviously the MotoGP bike acceler- out accelerated everything and, and left everybody. But I just think he's, he's a great ambassador for them. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, I think a couple of manufacturers missed the boat in hiring him. And I think KTM jumped on it and he ended up being such a valuable asset to them yeah. and continues to be. Yeah. Marco Bedzecki is going to stay with the Mooney VR46 team. What are your thoughts about Bedzecki sticking around? Was there any it, other place for him to go? I think that's a smart move. I think Pramac could have been the other place, right? But mm-hmm. but 
it looks like that is a super tight knit team. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know, Greg, as you and I have talked about a million times, it's like you to be able to go to the track and be happy as a rider and know the people that are around you are putting every last little bit of effort into you, not having to get used to new crews and all that stuff. And he's been, he's shown that he can win this year on the, on the equipment that he's got over there. And I know he'll get upgrades for next year. He'll get the 23 stuff or, or, or whatever he's going to get, but I'm sure he's going to get upgrades. It's funny that Pramac the one where they, they get the factory bike to one of the Pramac riders, right? That's kind of how it's been. Yeah. And Martin will have that as well as, um, well, they haven't got anybody else yet on the Pramac team. I don't know if it'll be more Bedelli or who Rinaldi's going. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Just right. kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a really smart move for Bezeki. I think it's a great move. I think Ducati's got a bit of an issue, you know, looking at Paolo Chabotti and what he's got to do. You want to keep Valentino Rossi in the, in the mix. And I think that, you know, a few months ago you started hearing Yamaha courting Valentino wanting him back and, you know, the whole thing with, you know, oh, you want on our bike and all that kind of stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me if part of what keeps Bedzecki was a promise of equipment, of better equipment or maybe quicker upgrades like you're talking about. And I wonder if uh, if Pramac is starting to lose its equilibrium where it's, you know, a little bit higher than the rest of the satellite teams. If now VR46 might be catching him at least on one bike mm. and, and equal that out, it, that's that'll all unfold, you know, next year or in the off season when people really dive deep into that. The journalists dive deep into that. But other than that, <laughs> those couple little tiny things that we just talked about. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, real tiny, like, or like changing the landscape of 2024 already going into next year. So a lot of riders moving around and, you know, and that just brings up our Moto America around this weekend. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hot, you know, uh, cams out obviously, which is a shame. Uh, Superbike championship. Two cams. Both cams are out. Both cams are out. Cam Peterson, Cam Bovier, which which is a bummer. Um, I think that Superbike will be interesting this weekend. It should be a little bit wide open again. The BMWs will be strong. But, you know, Greg, there's a lot of other movements going too. Like Jake Lewis is going to jump on a Stock 1000. We have a Stock 1000 championship that's going to get decided this weekend. And I know Jake Lewis is jumping on a Stock 1000 with Disrupt Racing. Because Hayden Gillum is still in the hunt for that championship. So they need some people to get between, you know, Hayden Gillum and Ezra. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea by that from so, that team, I think. Yep. I think Jake's more than capable, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we talked about Kayla moving. We talked about, uh, you know, now Jake's moving. Mesa's jumped up. There's a lot of Andrew cool Lee back lines. in Stock 1000, the two-time exact. champ. Super pumped for Andrew. He's going to be back riding. Um so yeah, he'll he'll be here. It, it's it's gonna be um, it's gonna be a fun weekend, and I'm glad that we have so many different storylines at the end of our season in Moto America. But we we potentially are gonna crown Chavi Flores this weekend if he does well. Mm-hmm. I think what is he 86 points up? Yeah, so, he's he's a heap a heap of points yeah. up. But now, nothing, I, I looked at nothing, the super nothing, bike. I was just gonna ask you. Go ahead. No, I looked at the Superbike entry list, but it hasn't been updated since the 24th of August. Okay. So you still have Cameron Bobier on there, but you do have, you know, J.D. Beach. So I have not seen, and I was going to ask you the same thing because I haven't been on social media this morning, if Chavi Flores has announced if he's going to be on a Superbike or what the plan yeah. is. And I haven't reached out to the team to find out. I was just going to wait 
and see, you know, you and I probably today or tomorrow we'll get an updated entry list and it'll give us an idea of what's yep. going on. But that's, there's 30, 30 bikes entered uh, in the Superbike class. And that's normally what we would see when they do have a stock thousand race the same weekend. But there are five races this weekend at Coda. You have, you have Medallia Superbike. You have the, um, what the heck, Steel Commander, I think that's what it's called, right? Steel Commander Stock 1000. You have Super Sport, Mission King of the Baggers, and then the Roland Sands Super Hooligan thing. Um, how do you how do you think that the, the baggers are going to hold up? I hate to put you on the spot. In oh, yeah. the heat, baggers. Make it to I, where everybody I, I'm a little me. concerned about their cooling ability yes. on those bikes. And I think yeah. they're scheduled for... Oh, I can't remember. Like there were more laps scheduled. I think it's maybe six laps or or eight laps or something. More more laps scheduled for that race than I thought. Being the track the is three point four miles long. Yeah, and the amount of time you're on the freaking on the button on the back straightaway with those things. I thought it was like a five lap race at Road America or six lap at Road America. So yeah, it's gotta so be, I think it's I think it's six laps here. So it's yeah. So yeah, super interesting. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a hands on on those bikes. So that's definitely going to be something that's going to be a concern. Um, Everybody knows it's coming, though. So if they have a solution to the heat issue, you know they're they're definitely going to go for it. You know the 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 the, the bikes that are going to struggle if there is a heat a cooling problem are going to be the bikes that have stock radiators. You know yep, what I mean, like I the stock thousand yep. bikes or whatever. So let's see, Steel Commander stock thousands an eight lap race. Uh, Hooligans is a six lap race. Mission Super Hooligans. Super Sports 11, Superbikes 12, and King of the Baggers is 6. Hmm. So half it's half a Superbike distance. So it's still a decent it's still a decent run. 6 laps is yeah. at 3.4 miles. It's you know, so yeah. they're they're all, they're all predetermined by the way. Like it's not like Moto America. They they basically say like, look, this race is in a minimum of, you know, whatever, 50 kilometers. This race is a minimum of 35 kilometers, and it's all in the rule book. So we kind of knew, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the tires hold up, how, you know, if, if because of the heat mm-hmm. that Dunlop decided to bring a different, different set of tires to Coda. Mm-hmm. But if you're on the R7, is that the hardest option or do we have an R9? I don't know. R7, I think. So we go R0. Didn't yeah, they have an R8? R7. Are they not R8, R8 maybe? Yeah. I, I know Audi did, has yeah. an R8. And and mm-hmm. if you're. If you ever feel like you're in the mood, I'd love for you to buy me one of those things. It's yeah, been a, I'm sure you would. A dream car of mine forever, you know? Yeah, well, save your pennies, G-Dub. <laughs> Just keep putting all this podcast money in your pocket. Oh, you know I mean? shoot. We get podcast yeah. money? Yeah, just do that. But look, to your point, Jay, looking at the schedule that we have on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, you know, you you look at, say, you were talking about Super Sport and Kayla going into that class and how much track time or anybody else who hasn't been to Coda. Because we haven't ever really had a full complement, I don't think, of Moto America. So it, it's it's going to be a hodgepodge of people that have plenty of laps around there or don't have. Super sport practice is 30 minutes and 30 minutes. So you're, mm. you're getting one hour basically on Friday. Right. And, you know, when you're talking about a 3.4-mile track and some of the sections that are relatively slow, like after that back straightaway, mm-hmm. you know, it's got 19 corners. So I can't remember what the lap times were. I'm, I was going to look them up. but Two, I think it's... As superbikes were around two tens, I think is what they did in the yeah. Test. So if you're doing two tens and third, you know, so super sport bikes are probably two fourteens, right? Fourteen, sixteen, somewhere 16s, in there. Yep. Two sixteens, yep. thirty minutes. Do the math. Yep. And then pulling in and out if you need to make a change. Yeah. 
Well, the outlaps and inlaps take longer, so you're exactly right. So. Yeah. So there's not a ton, not a ton of time there. It's gonna no. be uh, gonna be an interesting weekend. We'll bring you all the stuff, all the action. Jason and I, of course, are working the broadcast shows, which are Superbike, Supersport, and Mission King of the Baggers. Oh. Um, well, let's get on to MotoGP real quick because we had a race at Catalonia over the weekend, and it was uh, surprising. But the first bit is uh, would be the sprint race where you have Alicia Spargaro ends up beating Peco Bagnaya, Maverick Vinales in third place over Brad Binder, uh, Martin in fifth, Miguel Oliveira, Zarco, Bedzecki, Bastianini in ninth, who didn't have a great qualifying. And the significance of that is pretty simple because when we got to the feature-length race, it was carnage on the first lap. But in the end, it was after a red flag, a Spargaro wins over... Vinales by three tenths of a second, Jorge Martin in third, basically, you know, saving it for Ducati, I suppose. And then you have Zarco, Miguel Oliveira, who was right up there the first couple laps. And Alex Marquez, Quadraro, the first of the Japanese manufacturers in seventh, then Jack Miller, Augusto Fernandez in ninth, a good result for him in front of DG Antonio in 10th place. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Bastianini goes up the inside, don't know where he was going, and mm. bowling ball to three or four, three or four other Ducatis out of the race. He gets hurt, unfortunately, again for Bastianini. Mm-hmm. Just a bad, just a bad decision. But then, all by himself out front, Peko Bagnaya high sides himself right in front of the group. By the way, I know the feeling. Laguna turn what three right for me? Mm. First lap, you know, crashing. Oh, they're super similar. No, I'm just saying crashing on the track on the first lap is <laughs> it's scary. You know, I I I had enough time to ball up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and nobody hit me, but Brad Bender runs right over his leg, which Ugh. I could have I, I would have bet my next paycheck that it was a tib fib, you know. Yeah. But it ended up not being. He's okay. Um just banged up, bruised and some cuts. But really weird incident for them because when Brad Bender's bike hit bagnaya it, it ended up creating some type of a like a leak on oil and, of some sort yeah and and this is the thing i haven't been able to figure out everybody's talking about how they had oil all over their bikes after the bagnaya crash and i can't figure that out because bender only had a hard option tire left in his allotment period and because there was oil on his tires he had to change him that's one of the reasons why he ended up so far back Wow. Um, you know, like anyway, I couldn't really figure out why why all that happened, but nonetheless, Aprilia goes one two Jay in the first time in Aprilia's racing history that they've gotten uh one two on the podium. So and those bikes look legit at Catalonia. Yeah. I mean, for a minute there I thought it was gonna be one, two, three with Oliveira. Um looked like he just kinda ran out of some tires and did you see the slow mo video of the front tires of those two leading bikes? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, they were they were a little Unreal. they were a little rotten. But you know what's so funny is that nobody post race said much about like the front. It yeah. wasn't about the front. Yeah, you know, really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all talking about the during the race, like Zarco running fourth, four point eight back. It's like you better grab all those you can because mm-hmm. all he's got to do is go to the opposite end and see where old Lekawona finished, almost thirty seconds back um, on the Honda. But you know. For that race, it just seemed like that was the race that Aprilia 
you know, they had to win. And now I, for the first time in his career, Elias has won two races in a season and they've been two out of the last three rounds. Um, he won at Silverstone, don't forget. And then he, and then he went to, um, went to Austria and then, and then came here. So now they, they go right back to back. They go to Mazzano and it's got to give everybody a little bit of a jolt knowing that Bagnaia is coming back, which thank goodness he is. Um, but for championship wise, there's going to be some guys they're going to feel like there's a little bit of blood in the water. What a what a horrible opportunity missed for KTM and Binder, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Bagnaya goes out, and Binder was still in the hunt for the championship. Still is. I mean, it's still a long way to go. But just to collect zero points out of that, and not take advantage of that situation at all, um, was a shame. Also, crazy to see how far back. You know, we talked about the team earlier. The Mooney boys were. I mean. Marini and Bedzecki were nowhere in this race. They were 11th and 12th. I mean, they're behind Deji Antonio. They're behind Fernandez. Cuadrado did a great job to finish seventh. Um, but you sit there and you look at it and you think, wow, like there was opportunities missed by some key championship contenders. Bedzecki finishing 12th was maybe the biggest shock to me of all. Hmm. Do you like that we have a tire allotment and inside that allotment, meaning you have X number of rears, X number of fronts that they break it up and say, well, you have to have at least four, four you know, four hards or, you know, three mediums or, you know, two softs or whatever. Do you like that bit? Because for me with the Q1, Q2 situation of people trying to get in there and using tires and it just seems like it's just more tire dependent than it's ever been. Hmm. You know, I've never really thought about it until you put it to me like that. And it's, you're 100% right. You'll see these guys that have to get through Q1 that don't want to use both their qualifiers because then they're out of them, aren't they, for Q2. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a huge advantage to be able to get right into Q2. And if you're having to push to get through Q1, who was it that didn't get through G-Dub? I, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, it was Miller. Miller is the one that led Marquez to the lap. Did you see it? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then and then Jack didn't get to get back out and, and really have another go. So um, but to your point, it's it it's it is different. Tires definitely seem to be much more of the talking point. And you know, you talked about Bastianini bowling people over. My initial thought when I saw that was these are supposed to be the best riders in the world. Am I right? Yes. Why is it like you could keep blaming bikes. You can blame arrow. You can blame tires. You could, but a lot of these, and this is not the first multiple bike accident we've seen. We saw it at Austria, just the last one where Martin went up the inside. Um, and I think that as a whole, anytime you look at racing, we're coming to a place this weekend, Coda. I'm not a fan of the first turn here. Because you're going to have 35, 40 bikes going off into a turn that is everybody's going to be checking up. So you miscalculate that just a little, and there's a and there could be chain reactions. But we see these MotoGP guys just clattering into each other all the time, like all the time. And and you know at the beginning of the year when the sprint races were starting, and the riders are coming out going, we're not going to have a grid left by the end of the year because of these sprint races. It's like. You guys are the ones that control the narrative here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, 
let's use our heads a little bit better. Let's use our brains. And like, if all the Moto3 guys could get through that those first two turns, the MotoGP guys should be able to as well. And they asked Mark Marquez a question. They said, if they moved the straight, if they moved the starting line down further, like closer to turn one, he's like, it wouldn't make a difference. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't make no. a difference. No, it doesn't there, make a difference. There's a give and take in racing where if you get a good start, you try to hold your position. If you get a bad start, you try to improve your position without taking yourself or other people out. And it just seems to me like we have seen it a, a bunch of times this year. And Greg, I'm not talking about just just the falling over. I'm talking about there always seems to be some sort of clattering going on where somebody just maybe didn't use the discretion the way they should, and it ruins races. Let me ask you this, Jay. How was the Moto3 start? It was good. They didn't How was have the Moto2 start? They didn't have any problems. That's yeah. what I'm saying. If, you're, if, yeah. if, if there's a fundamental flaw in the design of the racetrack – because there's yeah. always a turn one. There's always going to be a turn one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that it has anything to do with with the track. Having raced Catalonia myself, I don't think it has anything to do with the track. I think it has to do with just one rider making a bad decision. Because had had Bastianini not been so far up the inside, correct, and taken the line and the angle that he took towards turn one, I think it, it kind of looks like most people probably, and we don't know, would have gotten through the corner just fine. Yep. I, I think it's a weird cut TV wise. You had those riders go down. They're focusing on that. As soon as you cut back to the leader, Peco crashes. And, and I think that for some people, it was hard for them to separate the incidents in their mind. Mm-hmm. But Peco did say that, that, you know, he had no grip initially. So I don't know. It's Marquez said that in the morning warm up, he tried the medium and he didn't feel like he could get it hot enough, early enough to start the race. Mm. And I believe that's what, they said that uh, Bagnaya was on. He was on a medium, and he said that even on the like siding laps, warm up lap, that he felt like the grip level was a little bit low. Yeah. Um, and then Marquez also said, Mark Marquez also said, when you're running on a high the way he's running on a high right now, being Bagnaya, when you're running on that kind of that that kind of level of of um, confidence, that you're ready to just kind of hammer down because you know, you have a lot of confidence in the, in the machine. So, you know, gets out front, starts to lead. And yeah, that ended up happening. Hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, Mazzano's coming up. Agnaya won last year over Bastianini. Vinales finished third last year, Jay. Marini and Quartararo. So we know that there's going to be, you know, a mix up in that order is Martin is kind of, you know, at the peak of his game right now. Bastianini is not. But but I'm looking at third place Vinales because mm, he has seemed point. to be since the break has been over, kind of a resurgent, refocused. You know, they talk about how he was training at the extra, you know, an extra gear and all this kind of stuff. Do you think that we have finally seen the Vinales that everybody wants to? It's so funny. Or is the jury still out? So funny. You're chuckling when you say that because is he doing it to us again? You know, mm-hmm. is he is he filling us full of this hope and? Right, he was only zero point three back at the end of that race. He was still charging at the end. He wanted to win that race, but you know the thing is, as you go, like we have just seen this so many times out of this guy, and it would be it would be nothing, would it, for us to look at Friday session and see Vinales back in twelfth and go like, eh, makes sense, like because it's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's what he does. But but you definitely have to start to think that. He's kind of ready. Like it seems 
like he's ready to, to win one of these races, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm with you. It's, it's just a matter of, of, I can't think momentum. It's such a big, it's such a big thing. And when you have these races back to back to back, I mean, can you imagine the, the difference in team atmosphere in Aprilia to the factory Ducati after the race at Catalonia, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Ducati's probably leaving knowing that Bagnai is okay, but not great. And then their other guy that really hasn't done anything this year, but get hurt is hurt again. And they've got this big stretch of runner races and Aprilia probably had the truck loaded in five minutes and everybody showered and went to a nice big dinner and they were down the road to Mizano, probably moving in at Monday morning, you know, because yeah. they're, they're just like, let's get to the next race. we got all this momentum. Let's, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, and you can't, I do, I can't rule out Oliveira ever because Mm-mm. I just think he's so good. And, um, and if Aprilia can just keep on a little bit of a run, that would be, yeah, it'd be great. What did you think about the pass for the lead that Aleish made on Vinales kind of forced the issue there and then Vinales to come in and basically be pumped. They swapped bikes on the cool down lap. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. I know that generally you don't, you don't watch a lot of that stuff. Uh, but I did see that. And and I did. thought right when the pass happened, well, I was with a few of the boys and I said, Vinales isn't going to want to give this up. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. And it was like two laps later because Alesh was well past him. And you could tell Vinales just wanted to still keep trying to lean in, but, but Alesh was already past him. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting pass. It was fine. I mean, obviously there was no anything there. And, you know, I saw something this week that Vinales put out that basically said that, you know, Alesh is the one that called him about this ride, you mm-hmm. know, a year ago and said, we can do this together. And we, so there's a mutual respect there. Um, so, so there was going to never be any hard feelings, I don't think, but, um, no, and I, and I just love that Vinales yeah. appreciates where he is. He said yeah. post-race, not in the Park Ferme, but in the other post-race interview he does, is how nice it is to be treated well and that he's been in places where he wasn't treated well. He never yeah. said the word Yamaha, but you can tell that Vinales is in a headspace where he he knows he's doing good things in, in terms of helping to develop the bike and that he feels wanted at Aprilia, you know, yeah. that people really yeah. want him there. And I think Aleish... Um, I think once once Alesh retires and someone writes a book, we're going to see really what the leadership characteristics are of Alesha Spargo. I think oftentimes, Jay, we, you know, we look at riders and we go, okay, they're just riders. They show up. Their crew chiefs run the show and everything. But riders have as much impact on leading the the team, leading the atmosphere that the team has, the attitude of the team, as much as anybody else does, and 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 maybe even more so than even a crew chief or a team manager does, because ultimately. If you look at it, everybody on that team is working for the rider. Correct. Right? Yeah. And so I think Alesh is probably a bit of an unsung hero because he really seems to come up with a really good positive attitude and he does get negative when the time's appropriate, you yep. know, and, yep. and pushes people along. So I, you know, I'll definitely read that book when it comes out, as I 100%. say. Yeah. No, Alesh seems like, yeah, like it's been pretty fun seeing and it's great seeing a guy that this late in his career start starting to win and um like seriously remember when he was yeah, on crts for, you know I mean, and everybody was like forever. what are these guys just i remember having a conversation about these with the brothers you know and they're like oh they're well funded and they're on crts but are they ever going to do anything like yeah 
Both yeah. of them are extremely talented. I remember when Alesh put that forward racing bike on pole at Doha. <laughs> yeah. And it was the first year of any kind of fantasy pick stuff, which we're going to get into in a minute. And uh-huh. I remember everybody picked Alesh. Hmm. Everybody was like, he's, he's going to win the championship. It was like, it was so Oh, funny. really? Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, my God, Alicia Spargo. That's like winning Daytona and going, yeah, they got it. Yeah. Let's just have the banquet now, baby. He was just on pole. So speaking of fantasy, uh-huh. well, it we had some shakeups this week. I'm looking at it now because T.B. Simmons was leading. My boy Troy was leading. He got dumped all the way to seventh. Yeesh. Yeah. Kingfisher over Red Spade. Supplantis Motor Ranch 46. Team Rhino top five. Homer's Hell's Satan's Lump. I mean, okay. Yeah. Is six. Troy seventh. Caroline is eighth now. So she had a obviously she must have had a big week. Who does she have? Oh, yeah. yeah, she had Alesh. Alesh got her yeah. 48 and a half points. Alesh and Peko. Look at her Peko's, silver. Look at her silver riders. Yeah, 22 for Vinales. Yeah. She didn't turbo a silver rider, did she? She didn't turbo anybody. Was Vinales worth 44 points? Yeah, he was. Vinales yeah. was worth 44 because I had I made a big change in my fantasy, Jay. I got rid of Ducati as a constructor, mm. and I switched and I traded or got Aprilia. What that allowed me to do was I got rid of Mir, who was only yep. worth a million bucks. Ducati was worth like five million or something, so you- right? We talked about this, right? So yeah, we talked about that. it. That's good. Yeah, it's good. So basically, I was able to get Maverick back. Um, so so I had Maverick and Bagnaya as gold, and I have Bedzeki and Luca Marini as silver. Mm. Bedzeki only got me four and a half. Marini got me ten and a half. Aprilia still got you know forty six and a half. I have Grassini as my team. So my my team value went up a couple hundred thousand after this one, you mm-hmm. know, went from like 17 something million to 18 one, but I'm still not competitive. I mean, I'm, I'm 178th. I went up. Mm-hmm. How did you end up? Horrible. Let's go, let's go so, take a look. Shall we? Horrible. Yes. yes. You slid down to 226th. I love I that. I did. Although your yeah. team is worth a lot of money, Jay, your team is worth 19.8 million and mine's only 19.1. Mm. The bra. How is that possible? Well, because Bezeki and Marini stunk. Um, Martin. Oh, you still have Ducati and Mooney. Those are Ducati good and Mooney. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's. I don't have a bad team on paper, but yeah, that doesn't mean shit, does it? No, it's just so. a matter of where you put them, right? That's exactly right. So, so yeah. like, had you had Marini over Bezeki in gold, which you know that would have just been a kind of a hail mary. Mm-hmm. Marini scored more points in silver, which is half the point value. Than right. Bedzeki did. So Bedzeki right. only scored nine points. Marini scores ten and a half for you. Yeah. Or if you had him in gold, he would have scored twenty one points for you. That's right. Yeah. They they're just Marini's. Well, Marini beat Bedzeki this week, but they have not been on the boil. Those two guys and Alex Marquez is kind of cruising along. Not he's not doing horrible for me. He's doing about what I thought he would do. You see, he was so. in eighty third place. JP steals Greg's donuts. Oh Jesus! Did you get a picture the other night from Voodoo Donuts? Uh, yeah, I got. Yeah, why were you? The picture you sent me at three o'clock in the morning. That one is it. Is it good that when we walk past a donut store as a group, we're like, oh, G Dub. No, that's not. That's no. If you pass by like a farmer's market and mm. saw just a just a you know a cart of vegetables, that's and the fruit. picture you should be taking. Mm. 
but is it bad? Uh, at least I actually listen. About I was it. in I was in Malvern, Pennsylvania, which is right near King of Prussia and stuff. And and there's oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but there's some like voodoo donut type place that's there, uh-huh. and I avoided it. I Did literally you? drove right by it. I was navigating to it. And, I was uh, navigating to it. <laughs> oh yeah, and I and I got there, and I was like, I'm. I have to go across the road, take a left hand turn, you know, across oncoming traffic, mm-hmm. and it and the light had just turned green, and and it was just a long, like it was going to take me like four minutes to take a left, yeah, and it was that time that paused, and you went. Can't but do somebody it. was like, you know, they got the maple bacon donut. Oh. That I was like, what? so I yeah. went over there. I was just over there in general. But then I was like, well, I'm, I'm this close to the donut shop. I might as well. Yeah. But anyway, but you didn't. So good job, Gita. So join us in fantasy. It's the Grace Garage Pod with Jason Pridmore, uh, fantasy league. You can look it up. It's Greg's with an apostrophe s. That's how you find it in the search engine. The winner of this thing is going to win some Dunlop Q5s and an Arai helmet. P2 will get a set of Dunlop Q5s for their motorcycle, and P3 gets Q5Ss. And like Jason said, there's been a big mix-up. You're never out of it till you're out of it, and we got a lot of racing left. A lot okay. of racing to go. Yeah. And yeah. In, in, the, in the world, I'm, hey, I'm up to 12,967, so I'm on a you. roll. You're on a roll. Yeah, I don't want to look at where I I had a nice little run there for a while. I got up to like 175th. But it's amazing how tight it is at that, like back where we are, cheat up. Mm. It's a point here, a point there. So, um, what we got, Magni Core this week, World Superbike, huh? Yeah, talk to us a little about Magni Core, World Superbike, the the track itself. I mean, I know we get to talk about it like once a year. You've you've raced that track plenty of times, World Endurance over the years. Uh, um, no, yeah, yes. so, yeah. I just got a text message from Stevie English right now. Saying yeah, if, we, if, if we wanted him on the podcast today, he's available tonight. Sorry, <laughs> oh, Steve. Sorry, Steve. We're right at the end of this. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's um, Magni Core's an interesting place. It will rain. I mean, Greg, it's going to be so weird, the feeling of walking into that paddock this weekend, I think, with the news of Johnny going to Yamaha. And, I mean, it's going to bring the whole top rack to BMW thing up again. It's going to be – Who's going to Cowie? There's going to be so many answers at the end of this weekend. So, you know, I think having Steve-O on the, on the podcast next week could be really interesting. So maybe we'll line him up for that. But um, MagniCore is an interesting track. It's a place where, again, I don't think anybody's going to get near Batista because there's it's it's there's a couple slow corners like this place at Coda where I'm, where we're, where I'm sitting now that – are very, very slow turns with, you know, excel- hard acceleration out. That's what the Ducati is obviously pretty good at. Yeah. And and then big, long straightaways. And if you remember last year, those guys tried to hold on and, you know, but Batista, I think, walked it anyways. So it's, 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 this is a place that Top Rack loves. Um, but man, can you imagine what the feeling must be like at, you know, at both Yamaha and Kawasaki. Yamaha at least knows they're getting Johnny Ray, but it's getting down to the end of the season now. And Kawasaki's got to be wondering when is it that they'll ever win their next race, especially after next year. Yamaha's got to be thinking, we hope that we can facilitate Johnny the best we can. And BMW's over there with their own problems because they've got, they've kind of got the KTM problem. I think they've kind of got five riders with four seats, but I think, um, you know, 
who's going to go to Cali? Will Redding go to Kawasaki so that Loris gets to keep his seat? There's so many things up in the air, I think, this weekend in France. And after the weekend, there'll be a lot of, a lot of answers to those questions. Who fills the Cowie seat? And, of course, you know, you mentioned that in Bulaga, who is leading that Supersport Championship 308 to 262. Mm-hmm. So it's Ducati, Yamaha, MV Augusta right now, as Marcel Schroeder is in way back in two, like 214 points, almost 100 points back from Bulaga. So Michael Rubin Rinaldi's name will come up, I'm sure. You know, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't think anybody's like going, yeah, let's get this guy on the Cowie right now. I think Redding's probably the top guy, but it'll be interesting. We'll keep an eye on it. You know, on top of, of our duties this weekend at Coda, Jason and I will be watching a lot of racing. What is your schedule looking like for next week? Because after Coda, I'm home. I'm home for like a week. This is the end of my like crazy month coming up this weekend. I'm home for like uh, I think nine days. Yeah. Before before we go to uh Jersey. My schedule. So is yeah, wild. I'm either going home Sunday night or Monday night from here. Okay. Yeah. And then um uh I leave I when I go to Jersey, I go from I'm going from Jersey to Portugal for World Superbike. Okay. I, and then from there I'm going to Jerez to ride for three days. So I've oh. never never ridden there. So thanks for the invitation, Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's nice. Richard to you. Oh, sorry, my bad. That's a that's a famous Greg Whiteism, by the way. <laughs> You call Greg Dick, Dick. For short. You call you call Greg Dick. He goes Richard, like the second he says it. So, um, yeah, me and that's uh, I cut the crew. Cole, but next week you're going to be home then, so we'll be I'll able be to home because we're going to have to tackle this three races, three or three race series. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many races we got? By the way, we didn't even talk about Moto Two and Moto Three, and yeah, we didn't. In, in Moto Sorry. GP. Yeah. Moto Three was insane. Go insane. watch the race. Fourteen riders. In a bunch, yeah. On the last lap of the race, it was crazy. And Alonso ended up winning that again, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Alonso got a second win, crazy race. And then Moto Two, Jake Dixon, great job. I mean, yes. got to give it to the guy. There was a lot of good strategy, um, a lot of really good strategy there in that race from him, and uh, showed a lot of patience. And uh, Acosta went backwards. Did so, you see Jake's post race press conference? I did not. Or not press conference, just the post-race interview. I did not. He's coming across as a bit of a dick, honestly, because he, like, took a shot at, you know, like, oh, everybody says that the next Valentino, but I beat him. And I was like, whoa, dude, what are you doing? Oh, wow, Jake Dixon coming across as a dick. What a shock. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I don't know. I just get a little disappointed, you know. It's like, dude, just be a little bit more humble, but. Just just accept your win and be happy. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a thing, but look. I know Cameron Bobier and, and Jake are like super tight and Cameron always talks about what a great guy he is. I think, you know, he got a little emotional with that big win and and came across as a bit of a knob. So uh but you look look, I haven't been in that position before, you know, obviously. No. no? No. No. You weren't like that when you were getting interviewed from your uh wear endurance days? No? Mm-mm. Or my oh. or wear endurance. Sorry. My, Not wear endurance. You're, yeah. No, I won wear endurance. Oh, I just happened to be a novice at the time, but I <laughs> but I won it with I won it as a backup rider. Okay, I did I did race in a race, you know, and, and scored points for the team. But it was with two guys that were experts, so it was just the three of us. But yeah, I have a I have a we're a super sport endurance trophy. It is so dude. fun to just throw something out there and then just let you run with it. It's so fun. Well, I just want I just want accurate information. You just want to clear it up. Yeah, I mean. You know. I understand. I understand. Yeah. 
up until archery, my life pretty much stopped after 96. So, (laughs) (laughs) so for basically 30 years, you had no life. Yeah. I mean, I had no, I had no res, I had nothing on my resume, you know, now now you're an archer. I told you, man, my first expert race was at little Talladega and I won. So I won the first race. Great. I'm not going to tell you how many people were in the class at the time. No, don't do that. Don't want to spoil the story. (laughs) But hey, I still have the trophy. All right. Well, yeah, Greg, we got a busy week. We got Moto America. We got World Superbike in France. We got Moto GP in Mizano. How am I going to stay away from the results on the weekends, G Dub? It's going to be impossible. So, you know me, dude. I keep my mouth shut. You do. You're amazing. You're amazing. Better. Yeah. But I also and actually and actually listen to you know. I what you don't know is when we were at pit race, the boys were in the booth. The, like the whole room, half of the room, it was divided right. literally by a, a blanket. Yeah, and the boys were talking results, and I literally said to those guys, "Can you guys not talk about the results?" If Jason's in here, he doesn't want to know any results. And to and to it was like Roger, Michael Hill, and Greg Creamer. And to yep. their credit, they all said, "All right, man, we'll honor that request." And that was and cool. They, uh, they Very cool. Sure, yeah, 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 it was really. Really, it's going to be hard this week, but I, you know, yeah, it's going to be hard this week, but I, we got a great, we have a great press center. We know that. So I'm going to have to sneak through there without finding anything out. And then, <laughs> and, uh, good luck. Yeah, I know. And stay off the social medias. I always do that. Though. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, we have a busy weekend, Jay. We don't have a, you know, an eight race weekend like we do it coming up at Jersey for us, but it's still a slammed weekend. You know, we'll have to do pre-production and all that stuff. So chances are by the time we get to Sunday, generally what will happen is, you know, with our pre-pro and everything else we have to do, you'll probably go straight from the car to the booth and then you won't leave the booth till the end of the day. Yeah, it's going to be pretty busy. Um, Yeah, yeah, there's like, and the heat and all that stuff too is going to be, mm-hmm. Friday's going to be hard for me, especially going out and watching on track because it's, it's 107 degrees. But I really, the coolest thing about Coda is they have that, that inner that inner road that FIM kind of requires. So I could I can pretty much get closer closest to the track that you can pretty much anywhere on our calendar. So in and be in your car doing it or no I'll be on a scooter. On a scooter. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can take the ring road on a scooter. Take yeah. the ring road. Yeah. And so for me, it's important for me to be able to bring that stuff to the telecast. And the fact that I got to ride here too is going to make it even better. So Greg and I are going to do our best to keep cool. Everybody else, you do the exact same thing. Enjoy all the racing this weekend. This is a great weekend to sit around and watch nothing but but good, solid racing from all over the world. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Hopefully, we'll get Stevie English on, and uh, he could talk to us about some World Superbike. So we'll see everybody later. Have a safe weekend.